It's time for the Video Marketing Value Podcast. My name is Dane Golden, and I'm here with my friend, Shelly Saves the Day. Welcome, Shelly. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. And today, we're going to talk about how to do a hook or an intro better in your YouTube videos because this is so important. You have got to get the intro hook correct or people are just going to leave the video sometimes never to return to your videos or channel. Am I overstating it, Shelly Saves the Day? Not at all. In these times and days, you only have a few split seconds sometimes to catch someone's attention or keep them intrigued and wanting to watch. So if you bore them right off the bat or a lot of other things that we'll talk about, you can totally lose your viewer forever. And it is so easy to do. And and we've all seen it. We've all done it. We've tried to make a good intro or a hook to engage someone. And then it just went awry or we got caught ourselves thinking about what we were going to say as it happened. And we really couldn't piece together the edit. But I've made a list of things, Shelly, where people can go down this list and see if they're doing these things and, and how to avoid them or how to do them better uh, so that they can start their videos better. And I think this is like half of the, half of the video is the first, the first 15 to 30 seconds. Would you agree the success of the yes. video? Yes. Agreed. Okay. So let's go through my, let, let me remember how to do my switching properly. <laughs> Okay, let's go through my list of how to do the hook intro with a tutorial better. Now, you can use this with a tutorial educational structure of a video. You can use this even if you're doing a story, but it has a tutorial in it. So one of the things that I like to do, Shelley, is repeat the title or some tweak of the title of the video, the thing that was written in the title, Repeat that in the first five seconds. Would you agree that's a good idea? Perhaps not verbatim, but letting them know what they're going to get in the video or why they, in an interesting tidbit or why they need to stay tuned. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, and the reason that I do this and recommend this to our customers is that if you've researched this title and you feel this is really the thing that's going to intrigue, it doesn't have to be the thing that ranks. Let's not talk about things that rank, but that really is going to intrigue the viewer. They're going to say, that's great. I'm intrigued. I'm clicking. But now if, you, if this is a beauty video and you start talking about lawnmowers, they're out. They're never returning again. They, we are so conditioned to people wanting to trick us into doing something yes. that we've got our finger ready to tap or click to leave. So that's why we restate it. So if it's, you know, if the title of the video is how to fix your car, we say in this video, I'm going to teach you how to fix your car. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I, I have to clear my throat. So why don't you say why that's important? Well, when is there? I'm sorry, take it again. I, I, I messed up. <laughs> no so why don't you say why it's important? Reiterating the title or an intrigue piece of why someone wants to keep watching your video is very important for a couple of reasons. One, if that video is auto playing because of something that was already happening, 
you may be in front of someone who is not familiar with you, but you may have been a suggested video. And for you to restate or state what that video is going to be about, if it is actually intriguing to the person who's watching, they may not click off because they're like, oh, I do want to learn this thing. Because frequently you'll be served up against videos that were along the same type of same content matter. So maybe it was about how to repair a car or how to start a car. It's very possible and plausible that two videos of the same type of content could play one after another. You you would see that too for I did a makeup declutter. Very frequently then you would be served another video of that same type of a makeup declutter. So if someone was watching for how to start a car or fix a car and maybe that video beforehand that didn't actually answer the question but yours came up next and you said that in the very beginning, it may intrigue people to stay and not click away. That could be one instance or scenario why it would be good to repeat. And there's there's a different type. We I said the one in this video I'm going to share with you or tell you or show you, something like that. But there's the tease type of video too. If you have a title that's a tease, if you have a title that's a tease, that's something like do these five things to win at car racing or something like that. You actually haven't told them what those things are. So you can say, you know, something more enticing at the beginning, but it also still has to be aligned with what it is. You don't have to spell it out so verbatim and in a, you know, very straightforward way, which is a lot of stuff that I do, but more storytorials or uh, more teasing type of things. That's a good intro as well. So I didn't want to. You could also have an intro where it's, painting the picture of the pain point or current situation that they're in that they're trying to get out of, which is once you paint them into that corner of, I know exactly what that feels like, then presenting them afterwards with the, but this video is going to show you how not to be in that situation is another instance of kind of. What would that language sound like at the, in the very beginning of a video? It could be something along the lines of, You've been there, you want to go to work in the morning, you turn the car over and nothing is happening. There's no sounds that are being made and you have to get to work. What are you going to do then? Today's video, I want to make sure that I have five steps to show you what you might do if you're in this situation so you know whether you need to call AAA or you can fix it yourself. So what I what I hear you saying is you've you've stated sort of a problem anecdote story at the very beginning to entice someone. So you've created the the problem, the premise of the video is the problem. Now we've got the solution. But I assume in the title, it was pretty much leading into because the the view sort of starts with the click. So they clicked on the title and thumbnail. And there was something in that title and thumbnail that that was aligned with this type of intro. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So the goal and a lot of people talk about this now is to get to the first 30 seconds of the video in your audience retention, have 70% of your original viewers get to the first 30 seconds, meaning out of 10 people who started watching, seven are still watching after 30 seconds. And it's actually not that easy to do. It's actually hard, right? Absolutely. There are a bunch of different things that could make it so that someone would give you basically in analytics what we call the hockey stick of death, where it's just a huge, sharp <laughs> decline, Steve. <laughs> like, And there are several things that you can do to make sure that you don't end up in that situation. 
Yeah, and, and and I think that the principle of getting people to, to the 30 seconds, and YouTube actually has a measurement. So you can go into your analytics, and YouTube will tell you how that hook intro is doing right there in the analytics, that first 30 seconds. The reason we talk about the first 30 seconds is because once you've established value or intrigue or enjoyment for about 30 seconds, people tend to watch a lot longer it's that first 30 seconds where they are really deciding, hey, if, if something's not going to happen now, if I'm not interested now, I'm done. But really, it starts from the first one second. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, and, and feel free to jump in if you think of something, uh, feedback to that. Did you want to add something to that or should I go on? Oh, yeah, list? I have a list of things for okay, people to avoid. Doing within the first 30 seconds or technically in their entirety of their video that would make someone click off. Number one is going to be a lack of eye contact with the camera in the very oh. beginning. If you think about it, a lot of the time you want to feel like that person or presenter is talking to you. So if you start with a shot where it's, you know, to the side where you're not making eye contact and you're seeing a profile like many documentary or interview style type of videos have those certain yeah. angles that doesn't feel personable to a lot of people watching and they will click off. Yeah. So even if you get to those angles later, it's best not to start with those angles. Another thing that I would say, um, besides lack of eye contact, is going to be the long rambling intros. And we've all seen them. Things like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't been posting. Me, and oh. I want to ask you more <laughs> about that eye contact. I don't want to skip okay. over that so fast because okay. that's a super good thing. Now, you know, we've all sort of seen the Ken Burns style of not the not the moving images, but the interview where there's someone slightly off camera and they're talking to that person. It's a classic documentary. And you say eye contact, but technically it's not person to person, right? It's person to camera. It just seems and feels like it's eye contact. And what's the difference between looking at a camera and making eye contact with the human. What's the difference? What's the what's it what's it like? What are we thinking about when we think about that? Well, that's an interesting point because on the other side of the camera, we're always telling people look at the lens like it is a person, like it's a human, like it's your friend. If you need to take a photo and tape it underneath, like you should act like there's a familial type of presence that you're within because you'll feel more comfortable. The viewer feels more comfortable. You feel a little bit more, um, not quite put together, but like you're, you don't feel like you're an observer. You feel like you're a participant and that's what a viewer is really looking for. They want to be that friend that you're talking to a lot of the time. Correct. The, the viewer wants to feel a one-to-one -one connection with the presenter or talent or on-camera person. Yes. That's and what I've, really we're desiring in this whole YouTube world. We, we don't just want some information or in, entertainment. We want to make a friend, essentially. Yes, I believe so. Yes, I, I, would, I, would, yes, I would agree and, with that. And so, <laughs> and so even though the presenter or on-camera talent doesn't really know us, we can feel that connection if they look directly into the camera and not just, you know, and this is a problem with teleprompters and I've tried them because you want to be rehearsed or whatever. But what happens with a teleprompter is you don't have those facial expressions that you have when you're not reading. You are reading and your voice is very stiff and your face is very stiff. 
But if you're talking like you're talking and you think of the camera as sort of you're speaking directly to the one person and you can think of this one person in your head, it may be a friend or whatever. When you do that, your face makes natural, honest, and, and really connects with the viewer even though you don't see the viewer. Would right. you agree with all that? Am I getting it wrong? No, you're not getting it wrong at all. And I feel like there are even best practices when it used to be people who would be telemarketers would constantly have post-its that would say smile in your voice, you know, or smile at the at the phone because there is a different intonation and inflection that happens when you're happier, when you're not depressed, when, you know, you're not trying to sound like you're reading from a teleprompter. And that's why even at the very beginning, we may tell people, Put a picture of your friend up there. Imagine you were having a conversation mm -hmm. with your mom about what the weather is versus, you know, dear reader, thank you for watching my channel. It's just like <laughs> when you have your very first, you know, uh, you know, public speaking engagement, it's different than if you're just, you know, talking to a friend at a party. And I think a lot of us want to feel like we're talking to a friend at a party or a real smart person versus just, you know, going up to that college professor and then like trying to have a conversation while they're lecturing in front of the entire class. It's just different. And I even stand up when I record and I find more energy and so forth. Uh, and, and I think that that really helps me. I, I helps the, I think that helps the viewer be excited if I'm standing up and can move. And I it really depends on the presenter. Some people just have plenty of energy when they're sitting down. I'm not one of those people. So anyway, but I took you totally out of your list. <laughs> That's okay. Let's go back to the list. So the next thing on the list is going to be the long and rambling intros, where especially for a tutorial based where someone is really trying to get into the meat of the presentation, mm -hmm. similar to when you go to a food blog and first they want to tell you about the story and the history of the recipe. And you're like, how can I scroll to the bottom where the recipe actually is? And it's kind of the same type of feeling, depending on how much they like you or how much they're willing to put up with to get to what they really want. So especially in the edutainment type space, yeah. you may find that you're not going to have a lot of that uh, leeway with a lot of people, whereas you might on some other types of channels. So this is going to be the, oh, I'm so sorry, I haven't made a video. I was sick last week. And then I went to my Aunt Mabel's house and then my dog stepped on a something and I had to get him little booties. And did you know that when you go to Petco, like nobody cares about most of that stuff, except for your friends or family or people who are willing to listen to it. Most of the time, your viewers are not those people who want to listen to it. So those types of long and rambly things where you go on for four or five minutes, include everything under the sun except for why you should be watching the video, what's interesting about the video or what they're going to learn is going to make someone leave. And I think that there's um, there can be multiple types of sort of the same topic of video. And 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 you sort of ha knowing what this is in your own uh, sphere of knowledge is important. So for instance, when I do certain YouTube tutorials about cer certain features, it's usually a very, very specific problem that someone has that they want to solve right away. It's not, you know, they don't want to know the theory about YouTube playlists or embedding videos and, and so forth. That you really have to sort of have the knowledge within your own industry. Is this the type of someone thing where someone's looking for the deeper reasons behind or making an emotional connection or needs to solve a problem right now. And the difference between those two types of videos, one would be called a discoverable video, that's where someone is searching 
for this type of thing and needs an answer, those are great for bringing in new customers, but also don't um, get a ton of subscribers. They're more, they want in, they want out. The thing that is good for reinforcing the people that view your videos a lot more or are interested in making a personal connection, that's the story. And we want to sort of do both. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of the more difficult things about making YouTube videos is to know when to do both. Absolutely. No, completely 100%. Because if you skew too far to the other side as well, you have a channel that only provides practical, tactical information and never do you understand who the presenter is or do you even care? And so it can be really hard for some channels. And I've run into that in the past with channels where they were very good at tutorials, but nobody cared about who the presenter was. It was just about the information. And so later when they wanted to expand to more things that showcased more of their personality, a lot of their own audience was like, mm, we don't really care about you in, in no certain <laughs> terms by their, you know, their, their view actions. So it can be difficult to walk the fine line because you don't want to pad and waste time. So you have to find small places where you can pad that don't take people too far out and away from what they want to learn, but you still can inflect some of your own stories and personality into it. We have sort of a trick that we offer to, to doing this, and it's not for every video, but it can work for a lot of videos. And this is what we try to do, is we try to get to the thing one, whether it's a step, a tip, or the first part, or whatever the thing is, add that value, that tip, somewhere between 10 and 25 seconds. So we want to get right to it. And, and sometimes people are surprised you get to the first thing so fast. Well, in this video, I'm going to show you this, and the first thing is, boom, oh, and they're like, wow, he's offering me value already. But within that first thing, you can actually go back a little bit and say, and by the way, when you're doing this, you want to think about this. So you're actually taking that intro and moving it past the first thing and saying, this is a, something to be thinking about, by the way. And you can also, right there, find a way to introduce a story, but uh, in this way, you can say something like, well, I want you to meet Jeff, and Jeff, is, it's not his real name, but Jeff is having a problem fixing his car, and his main problem is he doesn't understand X. So now you've taken step one, you say, you know, you know, diagnose the problem, but now we've brought in this story, so we're both giving value, but also conceptualizing, using that story and giving that higher value but we haven't wasted anyone's time. Right. So that's uh, one, one yeah. thing we do. And if Gwen were here, she would tell you, you know, you can tell a great story, but you can't do it as you're pulling the lasagna out of the oven, right? They want what does to get that to mean? That. What does well, that mean? Well, remember the cooking show example where she gave where it was basically um, when it gets to the very end of this baking recipe and you're pulling the lasagna out of the oven, like the video is pretty much over. The only oh, okay. last shot that you might get is, you know, that person with a fork biting into it. But really after the lasagna is pulled from the oven is not the time to start this long windy, you know, winding road story because it's too late. People have already gotten what they've come for. So that's just the wrong time to introduce it. So to your point, it might be not before you get to point one, cause you want to get into the value early, but it can't be after point five in a five list type of thing. Cause also people aren't going to stay. So it really does have to be after some value is given, but before the lasagna is out of the oven. All right. All right. And what's next on your list? 
The next thing on the list is people will put up with a lot when it comes to video quality. It doesn't have to be shot the best. It doesn't have to be the most cinematic. They will not be as forgiving when it comes to immediately in the first 30 seconds, bad audio. So if someone's outside and the wind is blowing and you know that that's what the video is going to be. Precisely. You're not going to listen to that for the rest of the podcast or the video, right? So it does have to be something that is dialed in. You can't have really poor audio at the very beginning of a video. You're going to have to bury it later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. But 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 why why do we not accept bad video? What's the problem with it? You know, I think that a lot of people will listen to even video podcasts or videos mm -hmm. without volume on. Maybe they're, you know, driving and the audio is going on in the background or they're on a bus. And, you know, so the audio is the first thing that they have. And the video sometimes in some instances can be secondary. And it just will be so unsettling for someone to have that crackling or that noise or the thing where someone's audio is, is peeking all over the place and just completely sounds mumbled. If you can't understand what someone is saying, you're just not going to listen. It doesn't have to be great, but it has to be good. Yes, precisely. I think George Lucas uh, said famously, you know, audio is half of movies. Mm -hmm. So, And what's next? Oh, those were my main ones. Okay. So I'm going to go <laughs> with mine then. apologies. Yes, your turn, your turn. Okay. Um, somewhere in that first uh, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, you want to use something like these four words. And, but, so, because. Or some variation of those. There's a guy, um, where's my book? Here's the book. Um, Park Howell and another writer wrote a book called The Narrative Gin, and it, he really talks, about, he calls it the ABT formula, and, but, and therefore. But I don't like the word therefore, so I use the word so. But he basically says you can do any story using the words and, but, and so. The other thing is the because. So I like saying because in almost any situation. Why because? Because that is the motivation for them watching further. That's the reason. So if you can pepper those first few words with that sentence, I love doing that. So that's one of the things that really gets people motivated to find out more about the video. Because if you've used those words, you've already started telling a story in a form and already started giving value in whatever context it's in. I know you're also a very large proponent of making sure that you use the word you in the first, yes. you know, 10 to 15 seconds of a video. And I think that along, goes alongside of the eye contact and feeling like you're connecting with the audience that is watching. So if I say something to you like, are you feeling this today? All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, they're talking to me as a viewer. And that's what we want is because we want to continue that conversation or, oh, where are they going next with this? Or, you know, what is the next step? So I feel happier or not stuck at home when I'm trying to get to work. And those things can be very, very important. Right. It, what's what's more valuable to the viewer if I start with some a lot of people have been talking about X. So today we're going to do a video about X. Instead of that, what about 
You might have heard about X, so today I'm gonna to show you how to do X. Now I've said you twice, which means I made this video for you, not some, you know, abstract reason for some abstract people. This is relevant to you. I'm here for you. And when, I, and when someone has told you they're here to help you, you feel an implicit commitment to be helped, but also you have, you have greater value, place greater value on that. Um, and, and also, I think that when we look at the camera, I think it's important to look directly down the barrel of the camera and not one centimeter away. I think that we subconsciously, we can tell. Now, you may not always be able to do this. You might have a, if you have difficulty learning how to do this with the camera, you may put a photo of a friend or whatever right next to the, the camera. That's better than nothing, but we really wanna train ourselves to look directly at the camera, not in the general direction. And the value dramatically increases the closer you get to looking on the camera. And I actually believe that this is one of the reasons some live streams don't do as well is because when we're recording, we end up looking down at the screen instead of up at the camera, which, which makes the viewer feel less connected. Mm -hmm. I but completely we, agree with that. As we learn how to do it better. Now you do a, li a lot of live streams. How do you train yourself? We're talking more like tutorials, but how do you train yourself to look at the camera as you're doing a live stream instead of down at the screen? It's very, it's difficult. I, it's a, definitely a learned skill. And not only that, but you can always tell when someone has a viewfinder or is recording on their phone and because they're always just slightly off focus because what they're actually mm -hmm. looking for is themselves. And so definitely there's some tricks that you can do for making sure that you're just not <laughs> doing that because it is really distracting and it takes people out of that one-to-one -one connection. So I also will tell people, look, I'm going to, you know, look away for a minute because I'm going to look at the comments. So they know that there's only certain times that I'm going to be looking at the comments because they're not rolling directly in front of the lens. So I want to be talking to the lens as much as possible. And I have two monitors and I'll have one of the monitors with the playback window as close to the camera around eye level as I can. So even if I'm doing something like adjusting scenes, bringing in an overlay, I'm pretty close, even if I'm not directly down the lens of the camera. So there are some tricks that you can definitely try and do, but also then sometimes we have a dance break. We'll play music, I'll have something going on on screen, and then I can look off to the side and pull up things. And then if they know that I'm looking down, looking for their comments, I can click on them and bring them up on screen so that they know that, yes, I am really looking down for a specific reason, but I'm still making them be part of the presentation because I'm gonna click on their comment and bring it up on screen. Now I wanna give you some tips if you're using an iPhone or some other phone to record video. It, it's, it can be a great camera and, you, and most people already have one. We've developed some tricks and it really depends on how you're using it. One of the things is, is that if you're, in a, if you're in a big enough space, you can set up the camera sort of frame yourself, maybe take a photo, and then maybe face the camera so you don't see yourself the other direction. I always forget if it's the rear facing or front facing, but the one where you can't see yourself can be helpful if you're framed properly. Sometimes you don't actually know if you're framed properly. I've done some, I have some tricks as you know. One of them is just hold a hand mirror around the other side to see how you're framed. I actually also have like a security mirror, one of those circular mirrors 
that we have in uh, you have like in the drugstore, so you don't steal anything or whatever. I have that behind it, so I can just look and see what's on the other side of the camera. But let's say you want to use that other side, or you're in a small space or something, so you can't do that. One of the things we do is we make a piece of paper with little tape on it, and you can use uh, yellow stickies or whatever, but we tape a few together, and then we just leave a hole where the actual camera part is, and we we frame ourselves. This We've done this for uh, our clients. We frame ourselves, and then you sort of fold down the paper so you can't see yourself. You can only see that tiny little window where the camera is. But one thing you want to do in that is actually want to move it so your actual head's actually in front of the camera and not in front of the sort of the screen. You, you want to move two inches to your left, I guess is what I want you to say, or to your right, depending. So those are some things that you can do to make sure you're, you're, you're really connecting with the viewer, like we said. Now, what about, what about this, the cadence when people speak in that, what does the cadence in that first couple of sentences tell us? The, the speech speed, for instance, if I talk about what we're going to say today, how does this affect you watching? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say if that is how you normally speak and that's how you always want to speak and how you always want to come across, then it may be that you do that because you don't want people to not get the true authentic you and, and you want to jive with the people who are actually going to view if you're doing that at that cadence because you think it's catchy in some sort of way or you're not sure or you're unaware that you're doing it and you don't actually speak like that, you see once you get animated and excited about something, you talk much faster. If that is the way that you've scripted your intro and it's not by effect, then I would just fix it in post and, and speed speed you up. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, um, you do want to speak and, and dictate like you normally would. But there is a certain level of excitement and intonation that happens in flexion in the first 15 to 30 seconds. It should be the most exciting. It should be almost like that infomercial versus the rest of the infomercial tutorial type of thing because you are trying to use it as a trailer to get people to keep watching. So some people think about that and they start and bomb with all of the, the slow talking, the introductory, the time wasting, the filling. And then, oh goodness, if they go into some sort of branded intro that's seven or eight seconds, which just kills retention too. You think about all that stuff happening in the first 30 seconds, there should be, it should be no surprise to anyone that their videos are tanking when it comes to retention. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah, and what I the reason I think some of this happens is one, you, you tend to record the first sentence at the beginning of your recording, right? That's natural. You have an intro, you have a hook. That's what you start with at the beginning, but you're not really warmed up and maybe you've been thinking about this topic, but now you get to the intro, you're like, well, this doesn't sound right. Maybe you're reading or maybe you're just remembering what you're saying, but you're actually you need rehearsal or you need to take it a few times. And what we recommend is that first few sentences, you should say them a minimum of three times, a minimum, a maximum of 30 times, <laughs> because that first sentence or two is when somebody's deciding if they're going to go that whole process. 
I and would even liken to, you could do the intro twice, once before you start filming and once at the finish of filming. Oh, because if it is something where maybe you went over something in the tutorial that like sparked your brain, it was like, this really has to be discussed. It really should be in the intro, even though you should have already scripted or know what you're going to talk about. Sometimes there are those instances where you're like, wow, I said something so profound and interesting in this section. We should refer to it in the intro and make sure that people know that this part is coming. So you could do it twice, even if it is then the same, because beauty tutorials will often do this because it will be at the very end of the video where they've done their face. And like, if you want to see how this went, some of it was really good. Some of it wasn't really good. Then make sure you watch this video and then they cut to them barefaced and then going through the process. So you could also have one barefaced being like, today we're going to be using a whole bunch of brand new items. How's it going to go? I'm not sure. And then see which one actually is better. Exactly. And, and if that intro, if that first 30 seconds is really the key to success of that video, just think about it. It's maybe 40 or 50% of the value of the entire video, just in those first few seconds, how important is it to get it right? So if you flub a word, I even flubbed a word. That's a Freudian. <laughs> I flubbed Ironic. a word. <laughs> if you flub a word at the beginning, you want you want people when they when they get this impression from you, when they're starting to watch a video, you want the impression that you know exactly what you're going to say. You've got value to convey, and you're not going to waste their time. So if you're speaking with gaps in between the middle of a sentence or you flub a word, or you sort of stutter, or you say the wrong word. Because sometimes saying one word differently, if it's not the word that people really want to hear about, but it's some obscure or high-value SAT word that's hard to understand, they might be thinking about that word, and now they're not listening and they're confused. They're done. They may never come back to your channel again. So feel free to repeat that first sentence, the second sentence again and again and again until you get it right. And then, you know, your editor can make what's called a jump cut. They can make a very smooth cut between sentences and they may do that anyway, even if you don't make any mistakes. But, but though, if you, if you speak a complete sentence, that's the easiest way I've found to edit. Don't say, you know, three words and then go back and two words of that <laughs> and just say the whole sentence, but try it a number of different ways, a number of different language order, a number of different intonations, make sure you're looking at the camera, all those things. Just, just give the editor some choices. Absolutely. Okay. So what's next on my list? One of the other things we do at the very, very beginning of a video is we put text on screen to reinforce. You know, you've clicked on the title, you're hearing them talk about what the value is, and you put text on screen. It doesn't have to be the whole title. Don't make it the whole title. Just like two or three words that just reinforce. Audience retention. You know, that's all it has to say. It doesn't really matter what you're saying about audience retention, but if that's the title of the video, just put on audience retention and, and the viewer can say, oh, well, they promised they would talk about audience retention. Now they're even putting text on the screen that says audience retention. I must be in the right place because that's what I wanted to watch. So they're reinforced. Uh, then what we also do is from about somewhere between starting about two to 
three or four seconds in the video, we add about two to, to six seconds of B-roll. So we're talking and then we're showing as we're talking. So whatever the thing is that we're showing way down in the video, we preview it right in that first part. They're like, wow, this is okay. They're going to show me these things. It really, the B-roll doesn't have to make that much sense. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to be exact thing. We usually speed it up. We make a bunch of cuts. We make a few clips. It just has to entice the person that here is value coming along. If you can only stay just a few more seconds, we're just going to start delivering. We're just talking. We're just introducing it. It's not that much different if you've ever seen like the local news. You know, when they preview something, they say tonight a fire on Third Street and they show the fire. It's well, you've got to stick around now because you saw that there was going to be some fire footage. Do you have any yep. thoughts on on that B-roll at the beginning? I think that it can be really beneficial if you had something, let's say, like an iPhone unboxing and you then tease at the very beginning where you, you know, you tear off the type of cellophane and then you start to open it up. People then also realize, oh, this isn't clickbait. They actually have the phone. They're actually going to unbox it. I can trust that I'm going to see a phone being unboxed by the end of this video. So even that can be a promise as to this is actually going to be what I gave you in the title or probably in the thumbnail. It can be the same way when it comes to makeup items. You would see frequently where some brand new item would come out and it would be like, this is available starting today, but I have it to show you. And this is going to be available as a video and tutorial and tour so that you know whether you want to buy this. So if they say that, but then only show a screenshot of a picture from a website that says coming soon versus here's the palette and I'm going to swatch it on my arm so you can see what it actually looks like when it's on skin. If you show them even that swatch at the very beginning and be like, these are only three out of the 40 colors, can you imagine what the rest are going to look like? So you don't have to give everything away, but you have <laughs> given away enough that shows them, oh, they actually have the thing. They're actually going to show it to me. Have you noticed this trend in trailers that you see on YouTube for movies? Have you noticed this trend that some of them in the first 10 seconds of the trailer, they do a trailer for the trailer? <laughs> I've also seen in trailers, though, where they have scenes that never actually make the film. Oh, that's true, too. That's and people true get too. so upset about that. Like, that was, where's the thing from the trailer? You know, or is this a cut scene? Is it a, a director's cut? Like, I don't understand. So people can be very persnickety about, like, you showed me this thing. I want to see this thing. And if you think about it, YouTube viewers can be the same. Like, you promised me this thing in the title. And right. then their persnickety-ness is then rampant in their ability to leave the video and you get that hockey stick of death because you didn't give them what they were promised. Yeah. Well, in addition, I've seen this trend of in uh, previews, movie previews that are shown on YouTube is they actually do, I don't know how, like 10 seconds. It's here's the stuff we're going to show you later on in this trailer. Trailer may be two minutes. Here's 10 seconds of the highlights of what we're going to show you <laughs> for the in these two minutes. <laughs> I'm like, they just did a preview of the trailer, but I'm already watching the trailer. Right. But they, but they apparently agree that the beginning part of a YouTube video is so important that even with a trailer, which is supposed to be all highlights, they do highlights of the highlights at the beginning. Am I, is my mic uh, popping or? No, no, no. It was okay. Okay. 
right. And in fact, I've seen some people like, let's say in the beauty sphere where they say like, here's all the makeup I'm getting rid of. And they just <laughs> flash quickly across a quick over, but you don't know everything that's in the box. You just know that it's full of lots of stuff. And you were promised the title of makeup declutter. And then you're like, Ooh, what else is in the box? So it's a way to kind of give some B roll and give context and give and collect on the promise that is given in the title and know they're, Oh, they're actually setting some stuff aside. So I should watch this. We also uh, will sometimes throw in just a graphic over my shoulder of just something moving. You know, maybe it's a, you know, it's a toolbox or it's a YouTube logo, but it just moves slightly. And that, that also shows, hey, there's going to be action here. This may just be a tutorial, but something's going to happen. Good things can happen. And there's all sorts of uh, other things that, that you can do within this. And, and I just think that the intro and the hook, you really, you know, you may want to spend even half of your total time just editing that first 30 seconds, make sure it's really tight and valuable. Thoughts, final thoughts, Shelley? I think that if you really wanted to dial that in even more, you could, if you cut off the first 30 seconds of your video and gave it to a friend, would this make you want to continue to watch this video? Would you understand what this video is about without any other context? And if it's like, well, you never even told me what the video is actually going to be like, oh, maybe you went too long on your rambly intro, or maybe you, you know, had your graphics come up for 15 seconds out of the 30 year. Maybe it really is about tightening that up so that pe other people can give you that feedback to be like, I wouldn't watch or this is exciting. Like where's the rest of the video? And until next week, how can people find out more about you at Shelly saves the day? What other things? Yes. Come find me on Twitter under Shelly saves the Shelly saves the, and you have a YouTube channel. You have an Amazon channel. Tell us about your Amazon channel. Yes, you can see all of my favorite Amazon finds recommendations under my sh um, influencer page on Amazon, which is under amazon.com forward slash shop forward slash Shelly Nathan. And what about your iMovie class, of course? <laughs> you have all the things. Thank you so much. I know if all you about are, you. <laughs> you. You sure do. If you're looking to learn to up-level your skills and get editing in iMovie, I have an entire course where you can go from zero to hero in iMovie, and I walk with you step-by-step -step on all of these tutorials and give you all of the clips you need to get started as well. You can find out more information at iMovieMadeEasy.com. And my name is Dane Golden, and you can subscribe to this podcast by going to videomarketingvalue.com. And hey, why not uh, review us on the Apple Store, iTunes? They always call it something different these, Apple these podcast. days. Apple Podcasts, yeah. Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. <laughs> and uh, if you need to book a call with a YouTube consultant, you can book one with me by going to talktodane.today. Until next week, here's to helping you help your customers through video. <laughs>